Oh, it's episode 282 of the Midnight in the Bay podcast, and I'm doing no music intro um, because I want to spend as much time as I can with this guest. Uh, I brought in a guest because I was getting comments on YouTube saying, like, we're sick of just you. <laughs> you know, like people were saying, oh, we'll like, get sick of you, Alex. I don't know. I, I, a lot of people have gotten sick of me, but I <laughs> just asked my family. But, um, yeah, I had to kick my son out to do this podcast if you can't tell by the room. But this isn't my. <laughs> I thought those were your, you know, favorite, all your favorite things. A little model helicopter. What else we have? Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? That is kind of a da- that it is kind of a dad thing to have, like the man cave. You know, where the wife says, "Hey, you got to put all your stuff in this one room. It cannot be in public when people come over. You got to close the door when people come over." But uh, no, it's. I wish it was. It's very cool. You've got like an autograph basketball there, which basically I did the autographs. It was cheaper just to do that and say Kobe Bryant signed it. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, the Lakers signed it. <laughs> If your kid goes to therapy later on, we'll know. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Which hopefully the state will pay for. But uh, yeah, I got to They usually cover that in prison, yes. Karen, thank you for joining. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) Where uh, Where can people find you real quick? Because I always forget that. Oh, um, I am at Karen Braswell Comedy on Instagram and Karen Braswell on Facebook. And uh, Karen's a comedian. And she's the coolest Karen I've ever met. And I know that's, you know, hack. Uh, I'm sure that you yeah. get that. Uh, also, the, probably Karen. the youngest Karen you've met. Probably. But, you know, it's Karen's always get the bad rap. I think there's a lot of other names of crazy white women out there like... Um, Kathy, I feel like Kathy can yeah. be kind of a, a mean person or uh, uh, Linda. Ooh. Linda. I'm surprised it didn't land on Linda. Actually, I you know, what? Kathy's actually kind of nice. Kathy brings food over when your parents are out of town and then yeah. she knows you're home alone. But she's also checking on you, you know, making sure you're safe. Linda's the one that said, hey, he had a party. Arrest him. He's on ecstasy. <laughs> Linda will write you out. Yeah, right. So, you know what? It looks like you're in like a fancy hotel room. Oh, this virtual background? No, this is my house. The nice electrical box here. There is yeah. the dog on the couch. Whoops. Dog on the couch. Is that Ikea? Uh, no, no. But it, the rest of it over here is Ikea. <laughs> and you're in San Francisco? Yes, San Francisco. I've lived out here about five years now. Fallen. Making millions of dollars a year. No, no, comedy's my full time right now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're not. You're making. No. You're making tens of mad dollars. drink tickets. Yeah, right. tens of dollars. Um, but you love it, right? That's what you tell your parents. No, I love it. You tell your friends. They kind of look at you. I hate talking comedy with other people because if they, hey, can I ask you how much you get paid for a comedy show? And you tell them twenty dollars and a free drink, they look at you like you're should be in a mental institution. Yeah, no, no, no. They think I'm messing with them. Right. They think I'm just pulling their chain. Like, get out of my way. Don't get into the business too, because obviously, you know, they'd start comedy two weeks later and you know get booked all over the place. And they think it's my competition. No, no, no. It really does pay 20 bucks and a drink ticket. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I didn't know until I got into comedy 
But um, and now there's a lot of comedy podcasts out there that kind of talk about it, kind of open people's eyes of what comedians go through. That's why you see a comedian crying when they have a special. They get their first special. They're like in tears. You know what I mean? Because all the <laughs> shitty pay and crappy rooms and hecklers and families questioning them. You know. <laughs> you so. know the ones I think whose families are the hecklers. Those are the ones who make it a lot faster. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. Just a hunch. You could Just take. You could take. You could take a lot. You know. So, um, and I definitely grew up with that. I don't know about you. Did you grow up on the East Coast? Yeah, I grew up in Western New York in Rochester, and then when I finished college, I moved to New York City straight away and worked a million hours doing Wall Street type work. Uh, like Wolf of Wall Street. Like that, but no, I was the only woman. <laughs> I was the only woman in the group and, you know, got a lot of flack for it. Why were, Why weren't there more women? It's just the time that it was. So, I mean, I know I look fresh, and but I'm 42. So I started working on Wall Street in 2003. And even back then, 2003, it was still, you know, just very, very male-dominated. Um, there weren't... Uh, what do I want to say? There weren't like HR departments that wanted to have diversity or anything like that. That just wasn't a concept yet. Right. Yeah. It sounds like it reminds me of school. Yeah. The names my football coach called me. Oh, yeah. I, I've talked about that. He couldn't be a football coach nowadays. <laughs> he would say to the half black kid, I can't repeat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and as kids, we just, they just called it motivation. And I told my parents, like we tell our parents and my friends and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's good for you. I'm like, I don't know. He's called me a lot of homophobic uh, slurs here. Yeah. It builds character. And you're like, nah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I have no Because no, the son is getting paid more. Yeah. <laughs> I have no self-esteem. I can't talk to a female. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's birth control at that point, right? You know, they're like, well, right, we want right. to kind of make them really be on edge. So oh, we're yeah, going to make it. So oh, yeah. My football coach would say, don't come. You can't come <laughs> before a game. Don't be <laughs> with your little girlfriends and stuff. Crazy shit. I mean, wow. yeah, I guess he, he was like a military, you know, but we were good. That's the whole thing. That's why I think the parents and like, the faculty, they knew all about how, I mean, this guy was so crazy. He'd rip his, sh like, I heard a rumor he ripped his shorts off because the football coach wore these little shorts. Back in the day, you wore little shorts. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. Well, actually, that time, the, the, um, it wasn't little shorts. That was like 80s, 90s. The coach would wear that. All of us was wearing baggy stuff. You know, early 2000s, yeah. it was all baggy. But anyways, he ripped him off, I guess. That was the rumor. That's how angry he got at, like, a bad play. So this guy, yeah, and he had the craziest varicose vein. Oh. Like, a, it looked like a bow constrictor down his leg. So, you know, he got angry. The more varicose veins and veins you have popping out, it just means you've gotten really angry. Angry people have crazy veins. And oh, I, and it's like throbbing. Like right. that same thing probably exists, like the Harry Potter thing on his. You probably saw that on Wall Street. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There was a rumor that um, a boss that I had at a company that I'm not going to admit to, um, you know, just for whatever reason. But um, yeah, yeah, legal. But he he ripped the door off of his office. Like he tried to get there early one day, and all the offices were locked, and so he managed to rip the door off the hinges. 
You know, that's crazy. This is, yeah, this is back when everything was solid wood and everything. That's when people were doing cocaine, not worrying about fentanyl. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy was on coke for sure. <laughs> Must have been. <laughs> Did you see that out there? I didn't. I didn't. But, oh, okay. you know, I, I, I do this in my comedy set that I have. Um, <clears throat> we would always have to take clients out and entertain them. So you go to the steakhouse, you take them to dinner and then they'd always try to say, all right, good night, Karen. Good night. Try to put me in a, one of those black cars, send me home. And I'm like, no, no, no. I know you guys are going to the strip club and I know that's where the real work gets done. And so I try to invite myself and try to keep it going. But they kept trying to, yeah, I was kind of a buzzkill. Yeah. Lo and, behold, lo and behold, I was a buzzkill, but you're a cock block for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the girls are like, what, why'd you invite her? <laughs> Which yeah. is kind of sexist. Now, I don't think, I think you would be, I think, encouraged. You know what I mean? It's a lot more diverse now. But back, even back then, I don't even think women were allowed in strip clubs back then. You know, I've been to a strip club or two. Then, yeah. 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 Not to work there. Not to work there. No. Well, you I know, say, what's yeah. funny is um, I doubt that they got any work done there. <laughs> right? Oh, it's relationship building. Right. You know? I won't tell your wife as long as you don't tell my wife. Feel that. I got something like that around here where we live. There's a bar called The Office. <laughs> so she's called, where are you? And I'm like pounding a couple of IPAs because I'm, you know, I just want to be a little loose when I go home. You know what I mean? I'm at the office on. Well, I was just going to say the worst thing is showing up home uh, angry or like upset. It's better to come home a little maybe pull over on the way home and smoke a little something or grab a drink and then you're loose and daddy and you're jumping, you know, <laughs> fun. yeah, that's how I like to get home. I'm like, Ooh, daddy. <laughs> Hi. Right, right. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you, you and I go to very different homes. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're very different people, but that's the great thing about comedy, right? Is you can have a lineup of, Someone who's, you know, hanging out at orgies and he looks like, you know, he should be on the cover of JQ and whatever. And then, you know, I come up, it's like a dad you know, <laughs> or a black guy who used to be homeless or a Karen that used to work on Wall Street or a guy in a wheelchair. And so it's that's kind of fun. You know, so I kind of get why people ask for diverse lineups and stuff. But, uh, you know, us white guys aren't too bad. You can have a couple of us, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 But um, the Wall Street thing is, uh, that's pretty cool. But it's not like the movies. Parts of it were. Um, like, the big short, that was definitely, like, that was a certain era of, of the credit crisis that I worked in, worked throughout. And a yeah. lot of that hit home for me. I worked um, on a lot of deals like that that um, just blew up spectacularly around this time. And so, yeah, watching some of those scenes and, you know, it was based on the book. Um, uh-huh. And the, the, that was like a really um, journalistic account of what all happened during the credit crisis. And that was tough to watch. But something like Wolf of Wall Street is a lot more entertaining. I mean, there are these larger than life characters and egos out there. But, um, you know, me as a lowly analyst associate vice president, I was insulated from them. I didn't get to spend time with them, which is good. (laughs) 
So you probably went in and things were probably really great for a while. And then a lot of bad things happened towards the later 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the kind of work environment where you go in, you get to leave your office for five minutes a day to go pick up lunch. You know, just go outside, get your salad, come back, eat at your desk and like work throughout. And then you order dinner and they deliver, you know, whatever company delivers it to your desk. I don't want to say back in my day before there was um, Grubhub and Uber Eats and all that. Somebody had to walk around. We'd have the intern do it. Uh Walk around to everybody, have the like the trifold menu for the sushi place stapled to a white piece of paper, just like copy paper. And you write down your order. And then once it gets around to everybody, then somebody phones it in. Wow. And then a little guy on a bike that yeah. a restaurant, actual restaurant would go. Yeah. Took a lot longer than Uber and all that. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's 930 at night and I'm gnawing yeah. my arm off because I'm hungry. But yeah, then That's you'd have crazy. dinner at your desk and then it would be late enough at night. Um, and said, take a taxi home and expense it. So. Wow. <laughs> After doing that like for some. YouTube okay. does that where they make it fun to work at. They got like slides in their place and arcades. <laughs> it's like a kid's room because they don't want you to leave. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean, I, I worked at YouTube, but like in the kitchens. And so I'd be there early in the morning. I really get to check it out. Every toilet had a bidet heated. They, had, <laughs> they would tell you to stock the fridge with beer. They had our, they literally had slides from the second floor to the first floor. And that was the whole thing is they didn't want people. They wanted people basically almost like to live there. They had sleeping pod rooms. Oh, wow. I mean, so it's almost like uh, secret slavery. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but they do pay pretty well. But still, you you still can be, I feel like, a slave in a way. Um, I'm sure my black listeners aren't liking how I phrase this, but I'm sure you can be, you know, um, unfairly worked uh, and still make money, you know. Oh like, yeah, the Wall Street thing sounds like I would like have a heart attack or like suicide. I feel like it's probably a big thing. Well, <clears throat> everything came down to. I mean, Wall Street is has a reputation for paying well. It's different than in tech, where everybody gets equity refreshes and you know, high salaries and all that. Wall Street, you know, you pay you a nice base salary, but everything is in that one day where you get your bonus. Uh-huh. And that's just a lot of money. And the thing is, you could piss off your boss two weeks before bonuses are paid and you could get your bonus cut in half, something like that. So it's this oh, thing looming over your head always of like fall into line. You got to make everybody happy. You can't piss off certain people. You have to show um, that you're better than your colleagues. Otherwise, they'll get more of a bonus and you'll get less. That's what I got from the movies is it's very competitive, very cutthroat. Uh, sounds like people didn't really have a life. No wonder they're going to strip clubs and doing coke and ripping doors off and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's basically yeah. your life. That's your comedy. That's your stand-up comedy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I had no time for hobbies or anything like that. So. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, would you have weekends off? Often, yeah, like certain jobs I'd have weekends off. Other jobs, I mean, I worked at least one weekend day. And people would be, oh, let's go to the Hamptons. 
right? The Hamptons is where a lot of Wall Street people go. Oh, yeah. 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 It's all, you know, they say work hard, party hard, but it's just, right. it's too much. Yeah. You know, that, that lifestyle is not what I want. <laughs> so why do you think, back to the, it's, I, I'm fascinated by the, uh, you were the only woman. Why do you think that? <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't um, a very supportive environment yeah. um, for for women. You know, a lot of times, like the guys that got in there, um, it was easier for them to mirror the behavior of the guys who are more senior to them. You can say, "Oh, this is what a you know a really hard charging, you know, vice president or managing director does." Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to replicate that myself. But when I try to do that, or I've, like I've had colleagues, female colleagues, tell me this too. That it's just, you know, oh, you get looked on like, oh, this guy's assertive, but you're aggressive. <coughs> right. This guy's a pit bull, but you're a bitch. You know, <laughs> like so many. So it's a lot harder as a woman. To do exactly what were you doing? Um, I was analyzing deals. I was doing a lot of uh, deal modeling, um, negotiating. Negotiating? Were you on the phone a lot? Yeah, yeah, a lot of on the, a lot of negotiating on the phone, or just going back and forth on email. And people don't really want to deal with a woman with all that. You know, they, I think there was at that time definitely that felt like there was a. You walk into the room and it was a certain way. Right. Everybody had a certain, oh, here we go, you know, right. an attitude there. And I'm sure that was better is in 2003 than in 1993 or than 1983. Oh my I'm God. sure it was. In the 80s. Yeah. They would have been pantsing you. <laughs> they, would have been uh, yeah. messing with you. they would have been hazing you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. It, I mean, we could laugh about it now because we've made progress. But, um, yeah, that's crazy. Even that wasn't even that long ago, 20 years, you know, um, that it was like that. And I know how those guys talk too, especially if it's all boys too, you have to deal with that. And Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Probably the degrading of women is like <laughs> every other paragraph, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I remember that. Um, just hearing them. Like stuff I don't even want to repeat in as many words, but just like, yeah, where my son? oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, are you going to be a little blunt? Because um, you can't figure this out. You can't get this done. Only a bleep would act like this. It blah, that kind of thing. Probably like pretty similar to the way your football coach would talk to you guys. Oh, they probably would have gotten along. Yeah. Yeah. I know like East coast people are very aggressive. I guess I don't, is it the weather? I don't know, but it's very like, Hey, suck my cock. And Hey, you forget And you know, uh, very like your mama smells jokes. I feel like, (laughs) you know, like a lot of comedians that grew up in New York city and stuff, they're like really good roasters and like just, just people. And I have met people like, you know, um, People have grown up in like urban settings. They're good at roasting because they got roasted themselves. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I got roasted a little bit, but in the suburbs, you know, we could be tattletales and or whatever that word is, um, and you know, tell and, and tell and and get kids in trouble and and uh, so we were kind of privileged, you know. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in the Bay Area? Uh, Pleasanton. Okay. I don't know. Have you been to Pleasanton? Yeah, yeah. I can't say it's a place I know very well, but 
Um, Been there. It's very just white. Like the black kids in our school, like used someone else's address. They really lived in like Oakland. You know what I mean? It was uh, very Asian. It's gotten more Asian Indian now. Just people coming over. And uh, they're taking over. Ah, that's what my dad says. Oh God! Like, we can't talk like that, Dad. Yeah. Oh God. I, I. You know what? I used to fight him on stuff, and now I can't. I mean, I, I when the Bud Light thing came out, I just had to hit mute and kind of put the phone down. I kind of just let him rant. You know, because you're not going to change an old person's views. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why argue? I just let people have their view. I just don't. I'm not going to try to correct them. It's just. You can't argue with an older person. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm I'm at that age where I'm done trying to convince people. I'm at that I'm at that point in my comedy where I'm like, you know what? People aren't gonna like me. I don't have the fans yet. So I'm gonna do shows. The majority of the time there may be people that don't like me. You know what I mean? Or like my material or oh, you know, and you just Maybe I just got to get better. I mean, definitely, you know, we always can get better. But, you know, also, I just can't take it personal, you know? Yeah. I went on a little uh, tangent there. I don't know. what. No, you know, I'm curious. Are there certain audiences that you feel you do best with or conversely? Like, just, wow, every time I get in front of an audience like this, it's always a struggle. Well, I've had people tell me that, like, my fans are going to be people like me, you know, like dads, you know, white dudes. I don't know, but I do have a coworker that's black. I, I make laugh. Um, I think actually that's really helped because he knows I'm a comedian. I can like run stuff by him. <laughs> check, like, is this racist? You know because I mean? sometimes it, like, Maybe you don't know something's a little harsh. I don't know how people are going to take it. You do kind of have to run stuff by people before you bring it on stage, I believe. So a lot of times, sometimes I don't and you're taking a risk. But I mean, that's comedy too. But I don't know. Back to the audience. um, I don't know. It's like hard to say. I think to be a good comedian, I think you should be able to do like really well in front of anyone. Yeah. Um, I... And every audience is different and every show is different. But, and I, I, I feel like, you know, older white people, I feel like I struggle with, hmm. you know, I looked on my Instagram insights and, uh, the data analytics, you know, analytics. And it's a lot of 25 to 34 year olds that watch my stuff and like 35 to 40. And I've told my parents jokes and I've showed them YouTube videos and they're like, you shouldn't joke about that. <laughs> so I know older people may not like myself, but I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not doing comedy for my parents or even yeah. my wife. You know what I mean? I'm doing it for me. What makes me laugh? Am I getting paid enough? You know, I, I know for all of us, for Karen, for me, uh, for fucking Stroy Moyd, there's um, an audience for everyone. There's enough people in the world. How many people are in the world? I mean, there's got to be 10,000 people each for us that we can <laughs> somewhat of a living. Maybe, a, you know, I like to have a little side hustle. I make a lot of money. I don't, my job's like not super hard, but I wish it didn't take up so much time, you know? Yeah. If I could commit more time to comedy, because it is like you get home, you're like, oh, I got to go here or 
I gotta. I, I've been. I've been struggling writing because I just haven't had. I rather play video games. I rather just turn my brain off. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I get that. Sometimes it's just you're too tired to think creatively. And I've never liked homework. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've never. I've never liked. But you know, I take notes throughout the day, and I'll think of something I can add to a set of jokes. I feel like that's good enough. You know, you're not going to crush it every show. Um, what I do recently. Have you bombed recently really bad that you learned from? Oh, God. I mean, yeah, th- those come to mind. Yeah. Or it's just like. Right. Come on. Everything I'm doing, everything I'm throwing at. Everything. Yeah, I know. It's hard. I got to say, it's hard to go back and watch or listen to myself, but it's important. You know, sometimes, too, is. Um, I mean, there's a fine line of being aggressive with the audience, but sometimes it's kind of fun to fuck with the audience. Like if you t- say a premise and people don't like laugh or like go for it, you'd be like, oh, you guys never dealt with that. Or I guess yeah. you're this kind of hmm. person or, you know what I mean? <clears throat> then you can maybe get a laugh, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'll shit on myself to get a laugh if something doesn't work or that always, that always helps to throwing the egg on your face, you know? That oh always, yeah. That always helps. But yeah, I know I've had a couple and I've talked about on the podcast. I've had a couple people, uh, stop my shows. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's not even like, and I've told people to joke. It's not even like bad. It's not like I'm saying like the N word or something on stage, you know, it's like, just a slight it's like about a subject that people are um just have mixed feelings and i i don't know um maybe people go to comedy shows that shouldn't go to comedy shows i don't know you know what i mean you can't really be sensitive i'm curious so they stopped it not because of the audience reaction or not because the audience was just bored but because of your subject matter yeah, so and I was kind of new, so I got I got mad at the person. I so basically the joke is my wife's Mexican, her family invited me when I first started dating her to a picnic. They asked me to bring some, so the day of the picnic, I'm driving there, and I called them and I said, "Hey, I'm bringing ice with me." And so, like when I showed up, no one oh. was there. Yeah, ah, ah, yeah, yeah. So. A lady, and this is like nine minutes in my set, and I'm doing well with crowd work and improv. And she stands up and says, You can't, my friend's illegal, you know, you can't be talking like that. And um, instead of me joking around and playing with it, I just wasn't ready. And I was very, and like also when you start comedy and you're new, you're kind of like, you're very a lot more vulnerable on stage so if something does happen you can be like embarrassed and when i get yeah. really embarrassed i like that is kind of you can't embarrass me on stage anymore but i guess then i'm only the person that can kind of embarrass me is like my mom and my wife in public and it's <laughs> like that like i get mad like i don't you know what i mean like my mom can still embarrass me and then if my wife gets mad, she's in the other room if my wife gets mad at me in, in public or like says something that kind of like puts me down i get like embarrassed and kind of yeah so um i think anyone would so anyways um that's the way i felt and i got mad at her and i said my wife's mexican fuck you like all this stuff and then the the you know it got kind of like they stopped the show and they like they 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 grabbed the mic and took me off right oh oh god uh, 
Yeah, right. And uh, it was all like hipster people in like West Oakland. I, West Oakland's like the new Berkeley. And so anyways, um, the next comedian, Chris Riggins, he goes up and he's like consoling me too. Like he got how I felt. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. I, oh, I love Chris. Chris is wonderful. Everyone's on my side. I just, in hindsight, I shouldn't have affected the show for everyone. But then Chris goes up and he goes, I'm ice. <laughs> and it just, it kills. But here's the thing. I later on, I post a picture because I filmed it and I did like a screenshot and I did a post about saying like how like I hate hecklers and la la la. And then I get comments of these little fucking punk kids at the show saying I had like a Michael Richards moment and like how I went crazy up there. I'm like, really? Michael Richards was saying the N word. Yeah. This is completely different. You know what I mean? And, um, Anyways, so that was a learning moment. That's for sure. And uh, one other time, a lady just was being really mean with her heckles, and I stopped, and I said something really mean to her to the point where the bartender had to walk up on stage, and I thought he was going to hit me. But, like, you know, I'm all about ego and looking tough, and so I was just standing there, like, holding my – I'm a comedian, you know? Yeah. he didn't punch me, but he, like, whispered in my ear, like, hey, man, you need to stop, or, like, I'm going to kick you out of here. That was going hard in this lady who, because she embarrassed me. Mm. Now I've learned my lesson. I I be funny. I'm not. Um, I don't know. I've if you saw my first set, which a couple episodes I played it. I'm like yelling at people not paying attention. I, I was very aggressive, and I've slowly kind of became numb to everything. I think it's just the more comedy you do, the the more you get used to it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, yeah. And I know you do a lot and I just got on Stroy's radar. You know, that takes a little bit. I did a show with him at, at Fairfax that on Broadway. Have you done that? Yeah. 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 That's a well, good that's one. Cool. Tony, and I love Tony Sparks. You know, uh-huh. I mean, he's such a nice guy. He makes. Yeah. Tony's guy. great. I love working he's with like him. Motivating. He's like, hey, I love your stuff and you're going to be something, man. And I think he tells everyone the same thing because I find out people like kind of say like, Hey, Tony said this about me. I'm like, he said the same thing about me, you know, but he's oh, nice. he doesn't say that about everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, so it I'm, still means something is all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 So anyways, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to do more stuff in the city with hella funny and stuff now that I've performed with them, but I know you perform a lot. Yeah. And I mean, what have recently, cause you're newer than me and actually you're still fairly very new what's like i don't know something you've learned what do you what do you think you've gotten better at recently oh boy um let's see i mean i think like so i have been um doing a lot more shows lately and doing a lot of shows show running with hella funny um you host a lot yeah i try to host whenever i can That's i really tough. do like it Hosting yeah I think that's a great skill to work on just because you have to go up cold. Nobody knows you. The weight of the show is on your shoulders. You know, Yeah. you have to be more or less likable throughout. You know, right. you might right. be able to it, you have to be able to get the show's energy back up if it nosedives for any reason. Right. So, I mean, I think it's a great learning opportunity there. But um I think in doing so many of the the shows, the, like in show running lately, that 
I pay a lot more attention to who's in the audience. You know, okay, yeah. what, like, look at their age, their demographics. Are they couples? Are they groups? Are they a lot of singletons? You know, just try to get a sense of who the audience is and then calibrate that to how they like my material. I know that, like, this joke plays well here. Oh, but when I do it again with this other audience, it never goes over well. Like, I have some jokes that bomb in front of um, an audience of Gen Z, but it consistently does great in a mixed audience or in an audience that's just slightly older. I'm like, you do a lot of shows in San Francisco. Are they, is the rumor true? Are they more sensitive? You think? Cause I, when I've performed, I don't think they are. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'd say a lot of the time, if you have an audience that is on the younger side, one, the attention span is shorter. And two, um, I think the like the sensitivity means they don't know if they can laugh at it. And if like I can see the stage, if I can see people's faces from the stage, well, sometimes you cannot just because the lights are that bright and you can tell that people are there and you can get a little bit of reaction from them. But on the the stage setups where you can really actually see people's facial expressions, yeah, you can see if they're like starting to laugh and then they kind of have this. Okay, I can laugh reaction right. like there's a little bit of like a i'm holding on and checking what everyone else does first and i've heard that darker rooms help that situation because i've heard that when it's really light in a room people tend to do that can i laugh at this when it's dark people just no one can see them laugh you yeah, know, like yeah. in a movie theater right and you, you'll even laugh hard and yell something, and you know, no one could see it. You know what I mean? It could be a dumb part, and it doesn't matter. So there is definitely something, and you have to deal with that and not take it to heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I've done shows like, you know, that what's the one big T runs? Uh, the Barbary Coast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm and there in a week and a half. Everyone's super high. Yeah. So they may not be laughing out loud. It may take them a little bit and then they laugh a little bit <laughs> and then they run out of breath because they've been smoking. You know what I mean? You know, a, lot of them, a lot of them just laugh on the inside. Yeah. And then they're sitting there frozen. like. And they enjoy it. You know, so yeah. um, I had a couple one time I did a show. They didn't laugh at all. My whole set. And afterwards, the show ends. And it's a good show. There's good people. And they come up to me and they said, you were my favorite. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> is you? I think, is that my mom's car? She give me a 20 and say that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's really like, I think that's the other part of doing the comedy too. It's like not getting offended by outcomes, not being discouraged. Um, you know, just keep going. Yeah. And that's what it is. You have to be very aware of all these little micro outcomes. You have to know, like, I, I think in the style of writing and the, the type of comedy that I like to do, it's jokes are a few minutes long, you know, right. to maybe five minutes or like, I even have a couple of bits that are like over five minutes long. Right. Um, and I like that. I like a little bit longer form and I love to string that together in a much longer set there. But, um, I know if I go into something and it's not, there's no reaction at the first 30 seconds or the first minute, like I have to get out of that. Yeah. You know? So I'm yeah. not going to get offended or be like, Oh my God, they hate me. You know, I just have to know, you know what, just bail and go into something else. Like, 
Yeah, and when you when you do that, do you ever just go into like crowd work instead of trying to do other material and and see if that will kind of win them over a little bit before you go back for material? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, there've been times I've called it out and like, "Oh, you guys don't like this." Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, and then like try to dig into it another way and like get a feeler out there. Um go into like get some kind of feeler through crowd work of like could I go into something about being raised Catholic could I go into something about um you know working on Wall Street about um dating I was just gonna um kind of tie that in do you think working in Wall Street has helped you with the comedy now oh I think it goes both ways. I think doing comedy has helped me professionally too, um, like or in an office environment, definitely. But um, you know, I think there's been a lot of pros and cons to it. I know I gesture a lot on stage. I'm like, and another thing, you know, I get into this like public speaking presentation mode and do uh, that, and it's a little excessive. But I think that um, I think it's fine. I think people do act out and they. Yeah. You know, you see the Italian comedians, they're always, you know, Italians talking yeah. their hands. Yeah. And I, I think that I um it doesn't get under my skin if people are not reacting. If I know it's like a little bit of setup and a small punchline, more setup and a small punchline, more setup, a small punchline, and then a bigger payoff. Like I'm not going to get rattled if the process of getting to the bigger payoff takes a little bit longer. And, um, people are like, uh, like lukewarm on it. Cause I know I'll get them eventually. When you worked uh, on wall street, did you have to jump in and joke around with the guys? Ah, uh, a lot of those jokes were so dumb anyway. It didn't matter. Or like, I know nothing about sports. Maybe you can coach me on this. Cause like, I don't I'm like people would sit there and talk about, did you catch the game? And I'm like, yeah, I caught the game. That was great. When the guy threw the ball to the other ball, I'm like, okay, throwing, throwing that was basketball or it wasn't hockey. You know, I'm sitting there thinking like, what sport are we even talking about? And they're you know? all, and they're all misogynistic, misogynistic. Like, look at this dumb blonde. She doesn't yeah. even know basketball and football. You know what I mean? Yeah, that had to be tough. That had to be really tough. Oh, they would just count me out. But that's, you know, it's fine. I didn't really want to have those conversations anyway, but I got a lot I better. Know, I didn't know if you ever had to jump in and be like, hey, yeah, yeah, look at this queer right here. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, I wish I did more of that and like practiced more of the trash talking back in the right. day, but right. didn't do much of that. Um, Smart though, smart. You stayed mm -hmm. low. I want to be. Yeah, yeah. I want to make any beefs or say the wrong thing, you know. But what I did get really good at is oh. when there were meetings that were contentious. Like, say there's meetings where you've got different stakeholders all coming to the table and they want different outcomes and things like that. I can, I know how to like get everybody on the same page and say, I hear you over here, I hear you over there, and leverage that to come to, you know, come to some kind of conclusion that we're all comfortable with. But also I know how to throw it back to them, and be like, you know, mess with them a little bit. Like, well, if you don't, you know, I don't know, just give them, give them shit for like, if you don't stop being so difficult over here, this whole company is going to implode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, tell how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, I mean, just stuff like that, like rib them a little kinda, bit. Yeah. You need, that's why you kind of need a woman in a group. You know what I mean? We had growing up, we always had a woman 
uh, her name was Shannon. She we called her like mom. You know, she was like the mom of the group, and she'd be like, you know, get off the roof, you're gonna break your leg. You yeah. Know? Oh, funny. And, you know, um, it's kind of like you were kind of like the, um, and she was in our group, kind of the voice of reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need that with a group of guys. They're like, you know what I mean? You need a, a yeah. like dog. We're like dogs. You need to be like, okay, all right, guys, cool it, cool it, cool it. We can't chop the heads off these Japanese sales guys. We, we got to get this deal, you know? Yeah, but you know, I mean, it, it goes over a lot better to say, like, you know, don't present this in a meeting. Other, this is otherwise, this is going to be a hold my beer and let's see what happens. Right. Rather than to say, I think you're going to lose the audience. You know, I think you're going to lose everybody or something like that. So to just be like a little more playful with it has right. helped me um, in the workplace. Right, 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 yeah. right. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. Any uh, any crazy. Uh, thing, any crazy stories from then or now or anything recent that comes to mind? Well, no, actually, I think a lot of the, um, in terms of just building alignment and getting everybody on the same page, it's like the skill from comedy is knowing how to read the audience better right. and knowing like, okay, this is the way I have to talk to this person. This is right. the way I have to talk to this person. And there are two totally different ways. If you do this one approach with the other person, it's just going to blow up spectacularly. Yeah. 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 I could see that for sure. So, um, yeah, I could see how working wall street could help with the comedy too. Oh Yeah. You know, just dealing with uh, just jerks. Because, frankly, everybody's a heckler on Wall Street, aren't they? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I could totally see that. Like, uh, did you have older brothers? No, I'm the older of the two of us. My brother's a year and a half younger. Oh, okay. Older cousins? Did you deal with any bullying or any? <sighs> no, there was a usual playground bullshit. You know, a lot of it was... Um, other girls, you know, growing oh, up, those okay. were like, oh, the biggest bullies were other girls of just like, we don't do that. Right. No, no, no. We we wear shorts this short, but not any shorter than that. Is there a girl bullying in comedy? Ooh. Oh, my God. Let me out my fellow female comics. No, no, no. no <laughs> just kidding. No names. No names. <laughs> No, 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 no. I will say I've had a great experience. I know that there's a lot of um, a lot of challenges in the comedy community and a lot of people that have had bad experiences and this and that. But I think maybe that's where my Wall Street stuff comes in really handy is I know when to just pull back and not engage on something that's going to like become a rumor mill or, um, you know, not get offended by something else because it's just, it's not going to be worth it. Right. You know? So I'd say by and large, and I've, I've kind of opted into a lot of great female friendships and comedy is, um, I find a lot of the women in the Bay area are just very supportive of one another. Huh? Yeah. So honestly, I, I'm just, all around like pleased with it. I think it's been really great. Wow. No dirt. Okay. Honestly, no. <laughs> no dirt, but I gotta say, you know, it's I just I, I just avoid stuff, you know. If yeah, it looks like it's gonna I, be drama, I try to stay away from it anyway. I think that uh you know that's being experienced in life, you know, it's a yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like hey, comedy, it's a lot of like young and older, you know. Experience. Yeah. Um, so. And I'll tell you the secret. The secret. This is what I found out is um, you got to genuinely be happy for other people's opportunities. So-and-so got a big show. Celebrate it with them. You know, be happy for them. Check out, always be learning and whatnot too. So you're always improving yourself. But, you know, I know people get butthurt all the time over why did somebody get this show and I didn't get it. You know what? That never pays off. Yeah, you're right. And And that only hurts yourself. (laughs) I think that's a good, valuable lesson to learn early too in comedy and just life in general. Because that's social media. You're like, oh my God, you know, they have this. Look at that. That guy's got... Like, I can't even go on my Mormon friends' Instagrams because they got, like, five wives. And I'm like, you know, I get jealous. You know what I mean? He's got, like, I got one friend. He's got a black. He's got an Asian wife. He's got. I'm like, I got in. I, Catholics, being Catholic sucks in California. I got in the wrong. You're Mormon, but for children when it comes to. <laughs> Catholics just have a lot of children. <laughs> I was raised Catholic, so I can. Well, yeah. I don't because California, it's expensive. You know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, hey, I have zero kids, and that's why, because they are that expensive. Right. You wouldn't have your dope apartment in san francisco with a kid you know what i mean oh yeah my dope 600 square foot apartment so you made hella money on wall street you left on a boat into the sunset and then you came back and you became a comedian in san francisco yeah no let's see i um after working on wall street for like 15 years i moved to miami and i worked for a startup Um, Miami. That was an interesting environment. Wow. Yeah. I want to party there. Yeah. No, I mean, Miami's a fun place, but I found it a hard place to get your career going. Right. Right. I love partying. Yeah. That was the first time when I managed people that I had to be like, Hey, can you not show up to work still drunk? Wow. And they only speak Spanish there, right? There, well, there is a lot of Spanish there. I mean, the, I worked the office I worked in. We it was we spoke English, but yeah, you know, you go to do something like get a haircut, you have to learn. Um, yeah, that was really funny because I was trying to tell this woman what I wanted to get done to my hair. I was just like cut, you know, like an inch or two off the ends, um, and I couldn't tell. I forgot if she was saying like the punta or the puta, and I was oh. like, which one is it? Which one? And, you know, she's because oh, like right isn't the tip like yeah i think one of them you speak spanish i don't i should but there's a difference right the tip of your hair for instance is either the puta or the punta and i forget which but i also in that lady's hair cutting chair forgot at the same time and then she was she was pissed at me because i was trying to be very precise i was trying to like she was mad that I couldn't tell her in Spanish what I wanted. I'm like, oh, and I think punta means like bitch. Yeah. Then the other one means the tip. Right. Right. So that would be really stressful. Yeah. So stuff like that. I was like, Oh no, this lady hates me. I mean, it was obviously from her facial expression, from her body language that she hated me, but then I didn't know if she was talking about me being a bitch or me needing um, a little bit. I don't know if she's saying I was being a little bit of a bitch or I needed a little bit off the ends. Uh, Did she just shave your head? (laughs) 
Yeah, I had a full Britney Spears moment there with the yeah. shaved head and the uh, umbrella. So the Miami and then uh, what? I was there for two years and then I moved out here to work for um, a fintech. So it wasn't really like the whole um, Wall Street thing anymore. It was much more like doing the finances for a company and helping the company set its strategy from a financial standpoint. And during this time, do you think you're feeling kind of like, does it get hazy? My cat wants to come in. Hmm. During this time, do you get, um, is it just like draining these kind of work environments? Like, I feel like it would just get very depressing. Like what made you go from that to comedy? I feel like that's a very uh, odd. Yeah. Thing. Oh, it is. I was the only. I'm like the only person to wash out of corporate America into comedy. Usually goes the right. other way. You wash out of comedy into like, oh, I guess I'll get a day job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what? No, I, mean, I mean, it was. I think the thing is you have to keep giving yourself this like false hope in the workplace. Like, Oh, I'm going to win over my boss. or I'm going to, we're going to get that project done and it's going to be successful. And the company is going to be more profitable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get like, keep building hope for yourself and yeah. for the people around you. And that, I mean, that gets tiring. Sure. But I first took to comedy in, um, during the quarantine part of the pandemic, I was just living in a studio apartment at that point, bouncing off the walls, completely like just bored out of my tree. Um, you know, you still couldn't get together with people. I was just looking for something new. So I started um, just doing some comedy online, you know, found a couple of found a workshop, found some what open made, mics. What made you pick that out of everything? You could have picked knitting. You could have picked OnlyFans. I mean, what made you pick comedy? <laughs> Looking back on it, I should have gone with OnlyFans. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really should have. I should have too. <laughs> oh my god, I would have made so much more money right now. <laughs> I'm sure I can get truckers to launch mine. <laughs> yeah, all right. But no. yeah, you know what? I'm always fascinated by that. What made you pick this? I mean, did you have you always thought you were funny? Did was it like it brings you happiness and you want to bring happiness to other people? What is it? I just always loved comedy. I loved comedy specials or in particular listening to it on Pandora because I'm right. that old. Right, right. Now you know exactly how right. old I am. <laughs> right, but right. Um, like I just love listening to it and like I'd get a sense of like the timing of it and the intentionality of the words, like why the comic chose to phrase it this way or how right. it was like reveal a little bit of this and then boom, turn it on its head. And I just was I just thought that like some people were just born knowing how to think that way. Right. And then. I just started searching around and I realized like, duh, like anything else you can learn, you can learn anything, you mm -hmm. know? And so I just thought, um, yeah, give it a week or two and then I'll be an expert. And then, no, uh, kidding. But I just tried to dive into it. it. I'm like, we'll see what happens. Do you think it was easier than when, than you thought? Like, did you think it was going to be a, more of a piece of cake comedy no i think the thing that i was really um surprised by was that 
as long as you're structured about going to open mics or writing and editing, um, and like you, you gotta try something and then say, okay, that didn't work. Now we got something better. Okay, that worked a little bit better. You know, just keep like iterating. Yeah. I hate to say the word iterate in the Bay Area. Yeah. But you know, you just that there is a lot of patience and tolerance and like as long as you're not getting yourself canceled from day one by using language that you're not allowed to say <laughs> you know as long as you're not going overboard on day one yeah you know you can keep working stuff out yeah yeah i definitely learned that too i dropped some words definitely in my sets i mean it also depends on where you're at you can't get away with certain stuff in certain cities and you know, but, um, yeah, you know, with me though, too, it, it wasn't so much about the writing and editing. Mm -hmm. It was also about being comfortable on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being, so how did you get comfortable on stage? Like what was the approach? You I think that? just doing it, you know, and with my style, I'm very crowd work, improv, mixed with my like I do writing on stage too, you know what I mean? Like under the pressure of having it to be funny, you'll be amazed what could come out. You're oh yeah. What could come out and you're like, I shouldn't have said that, but that's part of it. You can't do this and, 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 and think you're not going to say something stupid or offensive or the wrong thing or sound like an idiot or you don't know what you're doing. Like you just have to take all of that. <laughs> And that's really hard to deal with sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, and the hardest thing, something that I still find hard now is doing crowd work and being playfully mean. Right. You know? I'm like, oh, how long have you guys been together? Oh, that's cute. You know? Right. Stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I bet he's a real nice guy. You know? Like, it just, I end up being well, too friendly cool. and too nice. Oh, you think that's too friendly? Yeah. I, I'd be too positive about it. Well, you know... You also could be too negative and I kind of, and kind of have low energy. I I've have fallen under that where I actually want to be more positive because you can, that is kind of fun. If people know you're being like maybe sarcastic, you know what I mean? Cause slowly you do find your voice of what you're best at. And some people are really good comedians being sarcastic. Oh my God. Oh, you're not fat in there. You know what I mean? Like, the, they can just be sarcastic the whole time. That's kind of their stick. You know what I mean? So you never know kind of what is going to kill for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the longer you are in comedy, the more it's good to have, like, to tap into what your voice is and have some consistency there. Just because it lets you have more of, a, like, a, a foundation to jump off of. And trying the new stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And getting personal because I feel like when you get personal, that's interesting. Yeah. Don't yeah. give me a Will Smith joke. We fucking heard them all. You know what I mean? Yes. Sometimes you can be too topical. We've heard all the Bud Light jokes about trans. Give me something. Give me something I haven't heard. Tell me something about fucking, I don't know, finding out your mom was banging the mailman or something. You know, something. I, I don't know. Where do you think I got my red hair? <laughs> right, oh, that right. was my family's joke. That was the closest oh, we really? came to sex jokes in my family. Was my brother and I had both like as kids had bright red hair, and uh, everyone else was a dark brunette. Yeah, it's like must be the mailman. 
Yeah, that you know, it's funny because uh, my mom was the only person in her family with dark hair because we're Irish Italian background as well. And the funny part is, is my grandfather was stationed in Hawaii and the whole family lived there. (laughs) And my mom was born there, but she was born with dark hair and she was like tan and stuff. And so that was the joke that she was adopted or whatever. She was an island baby. Uh, And then too, Hawaii was an estate. Oh, because Hawaii was like one of the last ones. I think Hawaii and Alaska, one of one of them was the last one to become. Yeah, they were 49 and 50. Yeah. So anyways, (laughs) talking about myself too much on this podcast. That's why I got to be interviewing people and and getting more females on the podcast. Um, And just, yeah, I I, I mean, and I I think a lot of people like to hear about comedy and stuff. And I think it's good to talk about it. It kind of gives a a little background because when I got in comedy, I thought it was going to be easy. Slam dunk. I'm gonna be a Richard Pryor next week. Nice. And then I got this. I was like, oh my, this is I invited friends the first time I did it. I'm like, I'm gonna murder this. No one listened to me. It was horrible. I played it a couple episodes ago. You can go back and listen to it, Midnight in the Bay on YouTube and everywhere else. But anyways, um I I think it's fun in it, you know, getting into it. I gotta get more in the writing aspect of it. I'm very good with short notes, but I don't know about you. I have a hard time sitting and writing paragraphs and fucking, you know. Yeah. I mean? Like I can write something technical. I could sit there and like, I have to finish my taxes tonight. For instance, I could sit and write paragraphs on how to step one, step 87 of like how right. to do something like that. But to sit down and like watch the cursor blink at you, I'll be like, okay, be funny, be funny. Like, right. That's, that's tough. You know, I've gotten a lot of material to talking to people. Yeah. You know, even doing this podcast, I do a lot by myself and just saying my little week, cause I do weekly notes um, or like, you know, try to do daily little things and just saying that stuff out loud. I can come up with something, you know what I mean? But usually talking to people, calling a friend, I'm like, fuck, I should say that going to a dinner party. Oh, yeah. great. Especially if they don't know you're a comedian. You're just, Oh my fu- God. You're just a funny person. Once they find out you're a comedian, it's a lot of pressure. They're judging everything you say. They're telling you, you need to do this. I had one guy tell me, you need to do more black jokes. I'm like, you want me to get canceled? <laughs> you know? So. Oh my God. I know. I don't tend to do political jokes at all. Just because I feel like everyone else has done it already. Right. You know, or like how, and from a pure, like, audience size standpoint i know it's like oh geez if you're liberal you're gonna lose half the audience because they're conservative or you're gonna lose you know another 25 percent of the audience because they're down the middle or you know whatever it is like you doing political stuff you easily just find yourself in a box political religion and sports are the things you try not to talk about at the dinner table and also comedy, unless you got some f- fucking fire, you know, that, you know, is going to kill and oh yeah, whatever. But, uh, you know, stick with easy. I talk about pooping, stick with something that's universal. <laughs> that's not going to offend. I mean, it might offend people if they're eating, but you know, it's not going to offend Just someone. Don't do like, that at dinner shows. You're good. No one's going to get a gun and be like, you talked about poop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, but Hey, Karen, 
We got to do a part two. I feel like it went by fast, but. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm looking at the time. Yeah, I try not to go too long because this isn't the Joe Rogan podcast. And also, <laughs> um, you know, people got ADD. So I try to keep it like an hour or a little over. And then, but we'll definitely do a part two and then we'll do some shows together soon. I'm trying to work out some stuff, maybe get some shows out in the suburbs out here. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, let's get on some shows together. I'm booking some things in the city, so love to get you on that. And I'm really excited if, if you'll let me plug something. Yeah, go. No, do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. On June 18th, I'm headlining um, a show. We're calling it Overachiever Barbie. Okay. That's me. It's at Freight and Salvage Theater in Berkeley. And oh um, yeah, if you just go to the website for the theater, you can get tickets there. But um, it's it's going to be all me and my uh, Catholic traumas and my Wall Street traumas and my dating traumas. And woo, it sounds like a joy. But <laughs> it really yeah, would be a fun time. Cool. Hey, that's really it's kind of like a one woman show kind of thing. No, no, no. It's It's comedy. There's going to be a lineup of other Bay Area comics, too. Oh, cool. But uh, okay. I am doing about 30 minutes there. So really That's excited great. for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You you know what? I I usually don't do that much time. And I recently did like 32 minutes Saturday. And it wasn't a huge audience because they had the Sacramento Warriors game. Right. I mean, it's one oh, time. yeah, it's a it's a killer for us comics. But it really made me realize I had to expand my stuff. Because you gotta, you gotta kill the. Your most, your worry is is running out of jokes, and you know what? No one ever goes into thirty minutes all fully prepared, just to <laughs> give you, just to make you feel better, and that's good. Because when you're up there, it'll force you to add stuff and expand, do a little crowd work to mix it in, and to make your set longer. It, it's a different animal, but it's good to you know try that out. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm so excited about embracing longer sets now and you can. Yeah. So that is that's my focus for the next um, however many months. I'd say the next six months I'm working on longer and longer stuff. So are you you promoting on Instagram? I will be. Yeah. We just got it finalized and yeah. Get a poster out there. Yeah. Really excited. What's your Instagram again? Uh, Karen Braswell comedy is my Instagram. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, go check her out. Um, she works with Hella Funny, and they always book great comedians, so it's always a great show. Yeah, thank you. Well, I loved being on here tonight, um, and let's do a part two. I'd love to hear more about what you're doing, what your process is, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like we can, riff. We can write, write a couple jokes if you want <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I, you know, like I said, that's that's my biggest hurdle is um actually someone gave me some um constructive criticism um which is this criticism but uh in a friendly way um and just i will go on these rants and little tirades off of my little jokes and Uh it will get laughs but then it'll kind of fizzle out and i'll kind of like mumble into something else or just it just kind of looks unprofessional and the person who's told me I need to come up with punchlines and that's, you know, it's just hard. You know, it's hard when someone just say, Hey, you just got to do this. You know what I mean? But, um, that's why I don't talk to my family too much about comedy. Oh yeah. <laughs> but anyways, thanks for coming on Karen and we'll talk soon and, uh, yeah. Enjoy your, enjoy your week. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and we'll talk again real soon, Alex. Bye. Okay. Bye. Silver tongue. Audio.